You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Greensmith, episode 451. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP451. there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people. Amy here, and I am thrilled to be kicking off a brand new series all around making relationships work, specifically marriages, intimate partnerships, romantic partnerships. So we're going to be kicking that off with a brilliant individual today. But if you didn't catch the last series, the last four episodes, we're all about boundaries and speaking up. I deliver my formula for how to establish boundaries and actually enforce them, how to figure out what your boundaries are to even begin with. And I talk about when you should not speak up, like all sorts of goodness over there in that series. And then next week, you will definitely want to be staying tuned because there is going to be a guest here for two episodes that is a blast from the past that I think all of y'all are going to be so thrilled about someone who was a staple on the show, all the hints. So I think you'll want to join us next week. But this week, I'm going to be dialing up Figs O'Sullivan, a wonderful Irish chap who is the founder and chief empathy officer at Empathy. And that's spelled with an I at the end as opposed to a Y, which provides step-by-step guidance for couples and individuals who care about their relationships. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He is certified in emotionally focused therapy for couples and individuals. He is a hoot. He's a passionate entrepreneur. He wants people to change their lives. He has created this specific modality under Empathy, which is inspired by attachment theory, which we've talked about before in the show, improvisational dance and theater, hello, I'll take that, experiential psychotherapy, and emotional focused therapy. So it's fun, it's effective, and it really creates simple solutions to help couples stop fighting and snuggle more. Okay, yeah, because we want to snuggle when we're not pissed the fuck off at each other. (laughs) So I thought if we're going to do a topic around making relationships work, what does that look like? How do we deal with conflict? I knew I had to dial up figs. So I'm going to give him a call and hopefully I'll be able to catch him and we can take a little deep dive into some of the stuff he does over at Empathy. All right, let's give him a ring.
This is Figs. Figs. Hey, it's Amy. How are you, friend? I'm very good, Amy. Uh, it's nice to hear your voice. Well, I am hanging out over here with the audience and we've been talking about stuff around relationships. And I thought I've got to, I've got to dial up figs because he is such an expert in this space. So do you have a handful of minutes where I could kind of yeah, yeah. T- toss yeah, around no, a couple I can questions? Do it. Yeah, no, totally. I can do it. You know, it's interesting today. Usually I can't, right. Because I'm on primary parenting duty, but what I did today is I actually went with my wife who does this amazing thing. It's like uh, she's part of this organization here in Oahu, Hawaii, where I live, uh, called Surfing Moms. Oh, fun. And so basically, you know, yours while you surf, like basically you got to look after other mom's kids for an hour while that mom surfs. And then um, you get to surf for an hour and they look after your kids. But so that like I could actually be here for this hour, I was on, you know, beach babysitting duty. Got it which all of the kids are still alive. Oh, well, that's that, good. That's a win. Exactly. This is what <laughs> I always tell my wife, right? Like, and look, I'm not proud of this, but you got to know your limitations. I always tell her, look, <laughs> when I'm with the kids, I keep them alive. Yes. Right? That's, that's the height of my abilities. Like when you're with the kids, you enrich their lives. Yeah. Right. Yes. But like, you just got to like, at least they're, they're still alive when yes. you come back to them. Well, amazing. So. Well, I'm glad to hear that you have have a little bit of space to have some adult conversations. As I know, to. It's am- it is amazing. Well, amazing, and I'm so glad you have this space. So, I I would love to just kind of start off by asking you what the most common relationship roadblocks you see in your work consistently over and over and over again. Well, this is where I always like, there's actually only really one problem. Always. Okay. Right. And, and there's a sure way to say it is like the problem's never the problem. The way we talk about the problem is the problem. And Absolutely. the reason people talk about whatever the problem of the day is big, small, middle sized problem is because we all need to be emotionally bonded from the cradle to the grave. It's just attachment theory. And attachment right, sure. theory is the most robust, proven, like, you know, all the experiments repeated, repeated and repeated since the 50s that, you know, if there was anything that you could rest your hat on in psychology, it's attachment theory. You know, your first needs are not food and shelter. Your first needs were to actually have a good enough other on the other side of your birth that she was going to, that was going to be there for you physically, emotionally, because um, otherwise you'd die. Right. And so nothing has actually changed now that you're a grown up. Right. But when it comes to love, we're all still little babies because that's just the way we're built physiologically. And so that means That you, if someone's really important to you and you're really important to your partner, when you're talking about a topic, if it touches on that area where it looks like they're not there for me or it looks like I'm not important to them, you're going to get really threatened, even if you don't consciously realize it. It's going to really hurt. And then you're going to be a reactive person. And then your partner is going to get hurt. Right. And then they're going to be because they're hurt and they don't like to feel those feelings. They'll be a reactive person. And so no matter what it is you're actually talking about, 
it's that pattern where I'm hurting, now I'm prote uh, protesting, it hurts the other person, they're protesting. And we still think we're talking about, are we gonna go for coffee this morning or not? But right. underneath that conversation, are we going to coffee or like what city are we going to live in? Who does the dishes? What's going on with sex? Whatever the hell it is. Underneath that topic is this attachment, emotional bonding driven uh, cycle that's happening between the two of you. And so but the biggest problem is people don't understand what love is and what's actually happening underneath the supposed like, oh, we have an issue with who does the housework. We have an issue with sex. That, that's just the latest topic that brings you in touch with this emotional bonding pattern because you love each other and you're so important to each other. I've heard you talk about this before as, as kind of like the impossible moments in relationships. And mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about is something that I have some terminology around where I will discuss it as the surface issue versus the root issue or right. the, the presenting issue versus the root issue. So the presenting issue is the thing that we will fight tooth and nail on and double down on of who's right. Like, is there a right or a wrong way to unload the dishwasher or there's a right or a wrong way for our sex life to be. And yeah. the real, and we can fight about that all damn day, all damn day and have no yeah. resolution. But the root issue is typically how we feel about that presenting issue. So yeah. I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because this is something that I deal with with my clients and my students all the time, is that emotional intelligence of actually knowing what I'm feeling in an instant and, mm. and having that vulnerability to express, here's how I feel about you not helping around the house, let's say. And so what I'm feeling when I'm being critical of you is... I'm feeling a sense of disrespect. I feel like you don't care about the effort I put in around the house. I don't feel valued in our relationship. So there's an emotional acuity, I think, that needs to happen to be able to advocate for what's really happening under that, under that surface. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a lot of people who have that vocabulary to say, yeah. hey, here's what's happening with me. So what, what do we do about that it, that change between okay we're fighting about the frequency of sex or we're fighting about what school the kids go to but mm -hmm. really underneath there i need the vocabulary for the emotional sense what do we what do we do about that so look, i'm an experiential psychotherapist right and so you know teaching communication skills is not actually very helpful Okay. Right? And, and look, you know, and and I, of course, I, I rarely I do my best not to say that to people up front because everybody says <laughs> we have a, we have a communication problem. We need communication skills. So I'm like, look, I'm not going to like say that to them immediately. But the truth of the matter is you need the vocabulary of a four year old. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Like it's actually very simple. It's like we overcomplicate things. Right. So we just have to rewire people's brain to realize, mm -hmm. look, when you're in a negative judgment of another person. Like, these are the things you want to help people get experientially, but I'll explain it. But, you know, the Buddhist expression of finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. You got to become the moon, right? Like if I was holding up a mango and I, and I said, what is this? And you said, it's a mango. I'm like, look, you don't really know it's a mango. When you bite into it, you feel the outer skin. You've got sweet, sour, 
sticky stuff and like you've got shreds between your teeth. Now you know a mango, mm-hmm. right? So we have to go from this transition from understanding co- something cognitively to I'm actually feeling and experiencing it right now. So in short, anytime you've got a negative judgment of another human being, you have a reactive emotion, you're having a feeling you're having because of the other person, there's a behavior that you are now doing, whether that's your judging, criticizing, shutting down, minimizing. There's just like an infinite number of things, behaviors people do when they're in judgment of another person and have a reactive emotion, right? I'm feeling this way because of you. But underneath those three things is another three things. It means there's an unmet love need, There's something I'm not getting that really matters on a deep, deep level of the little baby inside, the Mm -hmm. little vulnerable one inside. And when I'm not getting that thing, I'm actually really hurting. I have a vulnerable emotion. That's me. It's not the other person doing something to me. When I feel like at first you abandoned me and I'm sad because of you, right? And now I'm blaming and criticizing. But what's really happening is the need to feel like I matter to you. So the need is I matter is so sad for me. And it's scary. So now I'm describing myself. And then of course, at the very bottom of that, there's usually a a negative self story. So so I want to try what we try and do in couples counseling is I'm going to try and get both people to understand those six things about themselves and each other. And as opposed to miraculously being able to actually go through the process where they can um, describe all of that in a moment when they're pissed off, like I, I appreciate you mentioning the impossible, impossible moment. I always say the moment is lost. Nobody does this in the moment. The Dalai Lama, yep. Han, you step on their foot. They're going to have six seconds of like, hey, get off my fucking foot. Of course. Right? Or they go, you know, oh, my child, you know, like, right. They're just not going to be instantly like um, available as a loving, empathic, compassionate being. So so the moment is lost, but we can use that lost moment where we got in a cycle with each other. We got in a negative interaction, a cycle where we both got hurt and we both hurt each other. We can use that moment to study what is it that just happened, most importantly, between us as a system. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. And what happened inside of each of us individually. Mm -hmm. Right. So so you want to like I say, like we got to help people first. See, look what we just co-created versus having both people in a relationship only focus on themselves right yeah i, I like I, I like to say like what's my shit what's your shit and what's our shit <laughs> like what do we need to look at sort of as a system but one of the things that i see and i think this stems a lot from that unmet need for love and connection and attachment and it you know varies depending on what your attachment style is but is the the utterly human experience of feeling pain, emotional pain, and immediately walling up and calling forth the defenses, right? So if you're avoidant, you're like, let me run away. You know, if you're secure, you're chilling, right? If you're anxious, you move towards, you're freaking out. So we have all of these ways in which we behave based off of sort of a defense mechanism. And, And I could not agree with you more. And this is something we talk about a lot on the show is, in the heat of the moment is not the time 
to try to find the learning and to try to dig deeper and own your shit. Like the moment, yeah, let the moment pass. But one of the things that I find really frequently is that people can't move beyond the hurt and the victimhood to recognize their piece in the matter, like really owning their shit. Almost like I've been hurt so badly by you. I can't imagine that I have, I have something to own here, Um, which is, which is obviously easier to hear from a third party than to hear from your partner. But I'm curious what you do with that when, when it's Yeah. Well, that that's normal, right? Like, I mean, that's the most normal starting point where one or both people. So like, look, usually both people in a couple, there's actually at the most basic level, there are the, the simplest way to understand a, an emotional system between two people is there's just four things, right? Partner one is hurting inside because they don't feel met. There's a flavor of love they're not getting, even if they would never use that language. So that's yep. number one. That partner one then protests not getting that. Now, they're going to feel completely justified. They're not going to think of it as a protest. They're going to criticize their partner, point out, ask take responsibility for what you did. Look what you did wrong. This is clearly wrong. Shut down. Again, like I said, placate, you know, minimize the other person's feelings, give advice, right? Tell a joke, just unending behaviors. And it's going to seem like it makes total sense to them. So that's number one, number two, which when they do number two, even though they think it's totally right way to respond to this moment, right? It actually is going to elicit Number three, which is now partner two, is really hurt because now there's a flavor of love they're not getting from their partner. And so now they're hurt. They don't want to be in that place, that state of being of hurt. So now they protest. They do number four. Now they do a protest behavior, which re-hurts partner number one. Right. Because now they're getting they feel even more not met. And so they have more even more evidence. They should double down or pull another protest behavior, which hurts number two again. And so they just create this infinity loop with each other, reaffirming each other's worst stories about each other. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. That is the first thing to show, to help people get. I'm not, asking people to take responsibility comes way down the road. And I say way down the road, let's say it's the fourth or fifth step of a nine step process, right? The first thing, that I'm going to do instead of like, so both people understand I'm hurting and you did it to me. Right. And that's what they got. But here's the thing between the two of them, they actually both together have all four things. Right. We know they, but but they only have two each. I know I'm hurting and you, you something you did hurt me. And the other person's yeah, well, I know I'm hurting and you did something to me. Right. And so, but when we put those four things together as the third party, we can reflect to them. So wait a second, if I'm understanding how you didn't feel prioritized, it hurt your feelings, you did a little blame and complaining, even if you didn't mean to, it made your partner feel like they weren't enough. And then they shut down and pulled away, which told you even more that you're not important to them and it hurt. And so you actually criticized them even more. They felt even worse about themselves. And then they were off to the pub for a week. Right. Right. And then here's the punchline. Every time. And we keep bringing them, look how sad this is for both of you. So, so I'm not going for responsibility. I'm trying to see, could they live together in a moment 
of it actually makes sense. We're both hurting. And the things we both do, not because we're bad or wrong, the things we both do to try not to hurt ends up hurting the other person. So not individual responsibility. Ow, but it's a collective ow. Ouch for us. Now, if I can get people to live there, that means the blamer, complainer, part of someone, the person that knows this is right, and the person that just shuts down when they're hurt, those two parts of them can go for coffee. They can go for a walk around the park, right? And now the little hurt ones could actually, that was a hard fight, wasn't it? Yeah. Where did you get hurt? It was here on my elbow. What about you? I still have a little bruise here. And they could actually be loving and kind to each other. But that, that comes later, right? And, you know, and, and then from that safe place, people can go, you know, it's so funny. I kind of see now when I'm actually feeling alone and not a priority, I'm starting to see the way I kind of am pretty critical and I get the impact it has on you. So funny, I couldn't see that before. Sure. But you can't get someone to go direct. Everybody wants someone to go directly to... I see the impact. I am sorry. But we have to do this other thing first, which is look what we are co-creating, where we both make sense, we're both hurting, and we both hurt each other. I love this as a starting point. So it's about understanding just the dynamic of the relationship at large and how we repeat these certain patterns without saying, okay, now you take responsibility and you own it, and but rather say, can we all agree that this is the sequence of events and that it's not fucking working for anybody? Like nobody's walking away going, well, I feel righteous and I feel like I'm doing everything right. And this feels amazing. (laughs) You're still recognizing, okay, we're, we're here. We're dealing with this, this issue. We're here in therapy because things are not working. Exactly. But so, and this is the thing. So this, by the way, one word that gets people in trouble, and this is just a limitation to the way human beings experience space and time, right? Is sequence. One oh. of the things I always try and help people, just don't worry about what happened to who first, right? Like this is really hard. Imagine everything that happened in our fight happened at the same time, same time. You felt prior, didn't feel prioritized. You blamed. I felt like I was in trouble. I pulled away from you. Like, like we can't even use language without describing them in an order. But just say all four of them happened together. I see what you're saying. So even it's almost like it needs to be one, 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 one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Even exactly. I go one, two, three, four. Even just the way I described it, someone is going, oh, so I got hurt because of you, which is technically true. But actually, you already had a big sensitive bullseye of feeling abandoned inside of you. And it's, that's why you start criticizing because it hurts so much. And by the way, the reason your partner pulls away is not because they don't give a shit. Is that they're fucking devastated when they feel they're disappointed appointment to you they already arrived in this moment terrified of feeling the pain of being a disappointment again and you've been you've been interpreting their behavior that every time they shut down in a fight or it looks like they don't care as as evidence that that's true that's not what that's evidence of that's evidence of they've been hurting so much inside all their life feeling like they're a disappointment and they're never going to be enough and here's another moment where the very things you do that make sense to you to do, can't you see what you did to me? All it does is tell them, here we go again. 
And so no wonder they're off to the pub. Right. And I, I use the pub. <laughs> That's quite all right. I'm Irish as well, so I can certainly yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. So this, I think, is one of the, the classic ways of how various attachment styles communicate or have a natural communication. I think oftentimes with various students that I've had who perhaps aren't as demonstrative as I am or expressive as I am, and I'll be teaching and then I make up, they must be thinking X, Y, or Z be, you know, they must not be getting anything. They must be bored out of their mind because when I'm engaged, it's, it's visible. You can visibly see it. Right. So therefore when I'm watching other people, my partner, my best friend, whoever, and they don't exhibit the same demonstrative, uh, expression of what an emotion Mm -hmm. looks like to me, then I start Mm -hmm. making up that story. Like you were saying, like, exactly. Exactly. If you retreat because you're avoidant now, my story is you don't give a shit because right. when I do that, when I retreat, it means I don't give a shit. Exactly. The hardest work is getting to a place where both people see like, oh my God, I make sense and the other person makes sense. And we're not finding because either of us is terrible. There's something wrong with us. It's that we are so important to each other. No wonder we both hurt the way we do and no wonder we react, we react the way we do. Again, no responsibility. No one's been asked to take responsibility. And no, this is really hard for people, right? Because I'm more anxious than my partner, you know, like a, I'm more of an emotional pursuer. I, if it looks like you're not there for me, it's go, I'm going to feel discomfort, threatened. And now I'm going to try and talk more and get you to engage with me more, which is going to make you feel even more, oh shit, it looks like this moment is loaded with the possibility of me being a disappointment, which I'm going to be contracted. And now I'm going to pull away more, which will make you feel even more. And this is, so this is the thing, it's most glaring with partners, but I love to use the example, I'm in a class with a student Mm -hmm. and I'm like, where are you student, right? Right. And of course the student probably feels it and is like, ah, I think I'm going to have to go to some other room in my mind right now. Right. And, and nobody's bad. Both people make sense. Exactly. And that's, that is the, like the, you know, so that's the magical place that I spend most effort getting a couple to, because if we get there, that is an on that everything else is easy. Solving problems, sharing our vulnerable feelings, getting our needs met. But that's, we have to get there. It's a three-legged race. You cannot, right? You cannot be the best solo three-legged racer. I know my feelings. I communicate my feelings. I've already crossed the finish line and I'm just waiting for them to meet me. No, you're disqualified. Right. Right. You got to do it together, right? And that's why you have to help each other. I love this because I'm thinking, I'm thinking of this in such a parallel to love languages and not necessarily that it's in the same vein. It's, you know, another way for us to kind of identify our various behaviors, but it's almost like the retreating of the avoidant or the moving towards of the anxious 
is a way of speaking. It's a language. It's a dialect. And so the other person's going, what the fuck? I'm speaking Tagalog. Why don't you understand? And the other person saying, like, I'm speaking Vietnamese. I don't I don't know how much more clear I can be. And but so what you're saying is essentially, okay. let's just understand that there's nothing wrong with speaking Vietnamese. There's nothing wrong with speaking Tagalog. But we need to come together and have an interpretation so that we understand what's really behind all of those behaviors. Exactly. We need to have a a narrative, a story, a framing of what's happening that both of us fit inside, that we both make sense. And so and this is the thing, like, why won't work on anything else with a couple? I mean, nothing. I always compare myself to I'm a pit bull with a locked jaw. There's <laughs> no point in trying to do anything else until they live in that world. That their dominant story, they're still going to get in a fight. They're still going to end up with a, you know, trench warfare in their home. But let's say some period of time later, I don't, you know, like at first maybe it's two weeks, but then eventually it's like two hours where I will cry that, yes, yeah, finally, we've gotten over the hardest part is they come in and say, ah, figs, wait till I tell you about the cycle we got in. I will like, so this thing happened. I felt like I wasn't a priority. I did the critical thing. Oh, my God, I saw his face. Oh, his poor little face. He felt so bad about himself. And so he did. Well, I won't even bother trying to make copy anymore. Right. And and like and he's like, yeah, I totally got I did hurt and I did react offensively and I saw how it left you feeling it. like and they tell me their joint story. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is it. We've arrived at this place where they really get we only fight because we love each other. And both of our reactions and, and like protests make sense. And we actually feel a lot of love and empathy for the parts of us that got hurt. Yes. That's the hardest place to get to. Taking responsibility, working out whom, how many cups of coffee do you make in the morning when you wake up? Like, you know, sure. how we relate to sex. All that stuff gets gets crazy easy if we can do that. I love this. I love distilling this down to a baseline that once you understand that it's so much easier to say, okay, here's where this falls. Here's where that falls okay, I see what's happening in this framework, in this system, mm-hmm. instead of going, you, 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 you did this to me. Yeah. It's your fault. All of that. I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits, and it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. 
Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's Get Checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test test kit. Now let's jump back into today's topic. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where Everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where well, here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking, where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com slash speaking, where they can get in touch with me. Because listen, it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space, and advocate for their wants, needs, and opinions, like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. All right, let's get back to the show. I have a little bit of a a tougher question for you that I would love your perspective on. So I work largely with uh, cishet women and Mm -hmm. who, who are obviously in heterosexual relationships. And one of the things that I see like clockwork Mm -hmm. are women who are doing the work, who have gone to therapy for years and years and years, who've done personal development programs constantly, and who who really, as far as personal growth, are kind of light years ahead of their partner. And I've even heard men in my orbit or, you know, in various situations say like, I don't need a therapist, I have her. And I'm like, nope, that's not her fucking job. Um, 
you need to heal your own shit. So I, I really see this huge uh, discrepancy in the willingness to grow, the willingness to learn even this sort of a framework mm-hmm. between the genders. And obviously I'm speaking in binary terms, Yeah, 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 totally. but, but do you see that at all where there's this right. resistance well, I'm, it possibly different in the San Francisco area? You know, are you still in yeah. San Francisco or no? Well, I live in Hawaii, but I primarily work with people still San Francisco Bay area. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, well, well, let what, me look, this is, I, I let me like this is a, something that I have I have a lot to say about. Okay, right. I love it. Who's hopefully it'll be helpful. Now I, I know half your listeners are gonna hate me, right? So <laughs> let me say the so <clears throat> firstly, you're absolutely right. Like in terms of getting people in the door, part of why I love being a couples therapist is I get to see people where it's their first time doing any personal development work, right? I mean both. I like people that have done it all. And but I really like working with what I call normies, like borrowing yep. from you know. <laughs> substance world right i like working with normies you'll hear why in a sec right but so look there's no doubt that someone that the way i handle when i'm hurting is i contract i go inwards i over regulate are going to be slower to reach out for any type of help right and so in a heterosexual relationship yes Less and less, but still 70, 80% of the time, that's going to be the man. It's more likely to be that person that I don't like to feel vulnerable feelings and I go in, go towards myself or go towards something external, work, drugs, video games, American football, whatever, right? Like, you know, that's normal, right? Now, the good news about couples counseling is because underneath all that love matters so much, when things are bad enough, that person will go to couples counseling. And that's what I mean. It'll be their first time. So what I always tell people to get their partner into couples counseling, just ask for one session. Like it has to be, things have to be bad for your partner. So your protests are actually really important. You letting them know I'm unhappy is really important in so much as it'll make it bad enough so that they will actually come in. So it's good that you protest, right? Now, here's the thing that's really crazy that people probably don't expect. It is easier for that emotion withdrawal, probably the man, not always in a heterosexual relationship, right? To actually get it and make progress, they make progress faster than the quote unquote woman emotional pursuer. The evolved. Yeah, the evolved one. Right. Because like so here's I came up with a little analogy for this. Right. Imagine you together and I'm going to stop like let's just for the sake of this, I will just do a man and a woman. So I don't like, you know, San Francisco, anytime I'm not using them, like using gender neutral pronouns, I'm sweating. I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. No. And I believe in it. Right. Okay, so like let's say your relationship is an apartment building. Right. One of you lives in the penthouse suite. I have done so much work. (laughs) And my partner does shit. Mm -hmm. My partner lives in the janitorial quarters. It's in the basement. It wasn't even supposed to be an apartment. It was a broom closet. And they live down there because they're the shit one. Mm -hmm. And I live in a penthouse. I'm the fucking amazing one. And everyone validates me. Every personal development workshop, you are a queen, my girl, and you should ask for your needs to be met and you deserve them, which is a disaster because that person comes back from their personal development workshop and says, hey, shit partner in the basement, 
I just got told my value and I'm going to ask for my needs to be met, which like that's going to keep that partner. Well, I'm not fucking coming out of here. Right. Why would they come out? Right. Yeah. And, and then the women, the, you know, the women and uh, some men, right, up in their penthouse, they look across town, they see other people in their beautiful penthouses and they're all sad and you all meet each other after yoga and your granny says you deserve more, your therapist. And then you come to couples counseling and then I tell you, look, I have created a well-appointed apartment for both of you in the middle of the building. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It is an easier journey for the person living in the basement to come up into the middle of the building than it is for the person in the penthouse to come down. Because think about it, for the person in the basement, I'm saying, here, come here, it's not all your fault. I know you've been living in a world that everyone says it's your fault, you freaking piece of shit. No, you're fucking hurting because you've been told this story all your life. No wonder you withdraw. And wait a second, I get that you're so alone because they've been hurting and they withdraw. You do make sense. You're not bad to protest, but you do have a part in this. That's right. The person in the basement comes up first. Always. I Always. love that. That's so fascinating too. So I like to call that when self-help goes wrong, when self-help goes bad. Right, right, right. And yeah. I think, I think, Brene Brown calls it uh, being a boundary bully when you've right. kind of you've gotten so bolstered by this inflated sense of I've worked on myself. Now I get to demand everything. And usually what happens is you communicate in a way where you cannot be heard. And so to me, the problem is not that you value your own needs. Like, yes, you value your needs all damn day, but you don't go in like a a bat out of hell saying, and now you're going to fucking give it to me because you're a piece of shit. And you're because that, of course, activates all of the defense of I'm not enough from the other person. you're, You're scary. You're scary to the other person. And so look, this is what I mean, you're not, you're not, this is the hard thing. It's hard to see how scared someone that doesn't feel met and they're letting the other person, there's no good way to let another person feel like, Hey, by the way, I'm hurting and I don't feel met by you. That is inherently threatening. There is no other human being that you're important to that hears that and doesn't go, Oh shit. Right. Right. But then, you know, so, so Here's the other thing, and one of my one of my favorite articles I've ever written. Right, um, stop asking for your needs to be met. Requests for needs to be met have to come after we're living inside the world, like we both are hurting and we both hurt each other, and it makes sense. If you ask for your needs to be met when you're still in story, you're the one not meeting the needs, right? You're not making me a priority. You're not making me feel important. You, why don't I matter to you? It's too threatening for the other person. That The way it's a threat is going to be much louder than the empathy and care they have and the, their desire to meet your needs. So the first thing we have to do is know, right back to your original question, what is the unmet need I have and what is the vulnerable experience I'm, I'm in? And could I describe, could I share my vulnerable experience without putting a request on the end? Like I am in a place where I feel like I don't matter. I don't matter. And I'm in my pain of not mattering. Now, you know, of course, anyway, it's not, it'll still be somewhat threatening. But you have 
maximize the probability that your partner could hear you and not get overwhelmed by, am I being told I'm not enough? They're like, you're describing your pain. This is your thing. Mattering to you is so important. And when I feel like I don't matter, I am so sad and it's scary for me. I didn't say anything about the other person. Right, right. Right. And I didn't put a question at the end. I didn't put a, now meet my needs. Right. Right. And Um, I I think that this is what I'm talking about too, with like the really owning your own emotional intelligence and having that vocabulary around it. There's something that I've, I've done in my own marriage where instead of going to the place of like, you are being irritating, we claim I am irritated. It's exactly what you're talking about here, where you're claiming your, your actual experience. This is one of the things I say, people have to make C's, right? So you are irritating is the top tip of the C. So just C is C in your mind. Top C, C, tip of the C is you're irritating. Like the top curve of the C is, oh, I'm aware I'm in reactivity and I'm in this judgment that you are irritating and I am irritated. Now you got to get to the bottom curve of the C. And the bottom curve of the C is, wait a second, if I'm in reactivity and negative judgments of another, what is it I'm not getting and how is it vulnerable for me? Oh my God, I don't feel hurt. I feel there's no room for me. And I'm actually starting to get really hurt. And now I'm going to complete the C. Now I go back to my partner and my spouse and go, hey, by the way, you know the way I was in judgment of you that you're an irritating piece of shit? I now am aware of it. And I did a little research on myself and I found out I wasn't feeling hurt and I felt there was no room for me and it was really overwhelming place for me. And now, and so, and then if you have two people that can make C's, right? We can make this shared oval together, right? So ideally, it's not even having a vocabulary. It's people having a process of self-inquiry and then they're able to take those two processes of self-inquiry and combine it into understanding, would you look at the system we create with each other? Hmm. So eventually though, if we are in collaboration, Mm -hmm. there's only so much of like, owning that system before we actually say, here is my fucking request, or this is a deal breaker, or I do need this to change. Well, so here, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. But so like, here's the thing, who's doing the asking? Let's just say again, in simplicity, right? And of course, you're a multitude of people. Who's doing the asking? Is it your protective self that's doing the asking? Or is it your hurt, vulnerable self? Oh, okay. Right. Like your, the the you that has grown to protect your vulnerable self, the part of you that can hurt when you're not a priority, the part of you that's really sad and scared, the part of you that can worry that you're too much, right? You have developed over a lifetime and you actually think it's your character. I'm saying you, the listener, and you can, again, everybody can hate me. It's fine. (laughs) I'm a dad and a husband, right? You know, Okay. (laughs) I sing and my kids are like, dad, shut up. I give them a hug and they're like, your breath. Right. (laughs) So like, I I don't, you you can't hurt me. Right. Okay. But like, look, you 
want to try you've got to be able to make this try your reactive protective self and again you just think it's just who you are it's not who you are it's who you play on tv to protect the most vulnerable part of you as long as your protector self is the one asking for your needs to be met it's not going to go well for you because that you is actually terrifying to someone else so you got to do the work of being able to transition and this takes huge courage not only to identify what my needs are, but can I soften down into the way I am vulnerable? I have this need because it's a sensitive spot for me and I am hurting and I reach out from the place that I can't, I, don't, I barely even deserve this. I, I, how could someone love this me that is so sad and so abandoned? Is there any way you would be here for this me? And it's no longer about the other person not being there, right? Mm. Now, and I'd never get someone to do that until we're living in this world where it's both of us and we both make sense. Cause it's not, it's not a safe thing for someone to drop that deeply into their vulnerability and ask for their needs to be met. If we're not living in that de-escalated place with each other, but you want to ask for your needs from your vulnerable self, not your reactive self and our society and the self-development movement since the 1960s, we're all influenced, even if we don't realize it, by Gestalt and the Gestalt prayer. I be me and you be you. And if me being me and you being you can get along, that's great. And if we can't, it, it can't be helped, right? And that has been a disaster for our culture, right? Because mm -hmm. now I get that this is what my needs are and I'm going to ask you and you meet them, great. And if you don't, well, fuck you. And, and therapists, self-development movement have been living in that world. And it's terrible. We're interdependent, Right. You're hurting because the other person is incredibly important to you. And you're much scarier than you think you are when you're asking for your needs to be met. I absolutely see what you're saying here because nobody is really trained to speak from their vulnerable self. We walk around right. with these walls built up. And this is what I see very frequently where people are like, I want intimacy, which we know is directly related to vulnerability. I want this, I want this intimacy with somebody, but fuck if I'm going to have to put my walls down, you go first, you go first. Exactly, yeah. And and then you're both in this stalemate where both people are saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to communicate from my wounded self. I'm it's too scared. There's risk involved with vulnerability yeah, and, and exactly. we're all quite risk averse and we're trained to be risk averse. And then I will say that depending on various marginalized identities that you might occupy, yeah. vulnerability can actually be straight up life threatening. So exactly. I don't yeah, yeah. I don't want to overstep yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. No, but, that's, a, that's why, again, just to be, it's really important that the order of things, there's never uh, getting people to their deepest vulnerability and having them reach out and ask for needs to be met from that place until we're in the world where, hey, we're both hurting and we both hurt each other and their limbic system. It would, it would not be safe. It would be not the right thing to do to bring someone to their deepest vulnerability and have them ask. <laughs> when the, the couple aren't de-escalated and it, it's not it's safe literally it's not it's not a good thing to do right that's so, right so the order of things is really important we got to de-escalate the couple together and we have a shared narrative we're both hurt people because we love each other we both end up reacting in ways that are painful for the other person even if that reaction wouldn't be painful for me okay mm -hmm. now we're not a threat to each other Nah, and and uh, it's not just a like oh tick we get it cognitively they gotta be able to you can feel 
they're, they change how they're sitting with each other, how they look at each other. One person is sharing and the other person's on the edge of their seat. I want to know more, right? Like you can tell it's, it's something has changed. Now I'll do the, you know, the way when you ask your niece, you sound a little kind of, you sound a little tough. Like who, let's say that part was protecting someone. Who is it protecting? So now I'll start to try and access the vulnerable one. And then I'll act. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, stay there and like heighten the vulnerable one and share and ask for the needs from the vulnerable place. And then the partner, this is the thing, your partner that feels shit about himself, right? Again, just you know, saying the hetero thing for a minute, right? The thing that will make them happiest in the whole world is having an opportunity to be there and love you in the way you want to be loved. This is the crazy thing. The ultimate thing I'm trying to do is create the missing experience where that little girl that I feel alone I feel like deep down inside and I don't I matter that she could ask and the, the guy could feel safe enough right I'm not a threat like oh my god I get to be here and I get to have the ultimate feeling of being enough that's an all needs met moment mm-hmm. and so I want to create that in the therapy room and they're holding each other and crying and I'm just like just stay here don't leave here we're not going to have we don't even have to solve any problems just stay right here Look what you just did, right? And then we do that in both directions. We do a three-way fist bump over Zoom. And I like big jellyfish. Some people like little jellyfish after the fist bump. And we say, and we say goodbye. Look what you can do. You can get in a fight. You can see how you both get hurt because you love each other, how you both protest that it makes sense. It's threatening for the other person. You can get, get de-escalated and then you can share your vulnerable needs and be there for each other. Dude, you can you can handle anything life throws at you. I really appreciate sort of the the items, the step by step items, because I think there's also this misunderstanding with vulnerability in the personal development space that it's a skill that we need to have with absolutely every person in every situation, which I I think is detrimental and terrifying and not safe. And this is such a perfect example of like, okay, I'm in partnership with somebody, but vulnerability right out of the gate is, is too threatening to the entirety of the system. So this is also why I think it's called personal development for a reason, because it's fucking personal and everybody's on a different Mm -hmm. journey and has to be tended to in that way. I can't thank you enough for sharing your insight. Can you talk a little bit as we're about to close here, you've created something called uh, the empathy method, empathy with an I, where can people find out more about you? If they're going, Holy shit, I am finding myself in this same cycle. Where can they find out more? Yeah. Well, well, look, let me say the last thing is, look, everybody's good. Everybody's doing the best they can, right? Everybody's worthy of love and empathy and your worst parts are actually the doorway to your best parts. Always, always. The thing that you hate the most about your partner, whether that's like your partner complains about to you that they shut down, that is the doorway to the most lovable part of them and the part of them that needs love the most. Always. No bad people, ever. Right now, <laughs> how do you find me? Empathy with an I in the end, not a Y in the end.com. You know, for my sins, I developed a web app for couples. It's free. You can just take the quiz. We also, right now, I think we've got 30 counselors that I train personally. It's one of the things that makes me feel the most like my dad that always makes me nervous. I, I <laughs> pe- if people reach out to me, I want them to get what it is they're reaching out for. And so, obviously, 
therapy is not a scalable, you know, hours of time. So I, we, my wife and I, we train all the therapists, right? And we, they have to do this thing, right? Like not from an ego place. Again, it's the most researched, scientifically proven, emotionally focused therapy with our own little sprinkles on top, right? It's the only couples therapy that has the gold standard rating from the APA. And so, yeah, whether you want the app, course, we have our own podcast where we actually share our own, my wife and I, our own couples counseling sessions and discuss them. But yeah, so just empathy with an I in the end, not a Y in the end.com. Perfect. Well, we'll, we'll definitely be sure to throw that in the, the show notes. This has been super insightful. And I always love to hear various folks' perspectives on communication and needs and vulnerability and empathy yeah. and all of those things. So I really appreciate it. I'm glad you picked you up. And Ah, I'm glad you got to have some adult time. And so thank you so much, Fix. And now I'm going to go walk the dog on the beach. Okay. It's such a tough life. Can I ask you one very self-indulgent Irish question? Yeah, yeah, please. (laughs) Okay. So I have Irish descent, but I have never gotten back to, to the homeland. But is the Irish goodbye, you know, when people say, oh, I did an Irish goodbye. Is that a thing in Ireland or is that an American thing? You know, it's so weird. It's so weird you asked me that. I just, I literally just asked my wife about this last week. I had a client say that in the last month to me, I'd never heard that before. Okay. That's what I figured. I figured it was some dumb American shit. I do Irish goodbyes. I've done <laughs> Irish goodbyes at my own birthday parties on multiple occasions. Okay. Right? Like, but that's so funny. It's like, oh my God, that really is how we say goodbye. But <laughs> I've never heard someone in Ireland actually say <laughs> By the way, other things like clean as a whistle, top of the morning to you. Like, <laughs> look, listen, you know, please don't th- say that to any more Irish people. It's not a like, thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. All right. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. And I'm glad you didn't do an Irish goodbye today. So I'll let you go hit the beach, my friend. Thank you for picking up. I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thank you, Amy. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. How fun is he? I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think this is the first episode I've ever done with a male guest. So hope you enjoyed that. And please be sure to scoot over to Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. You can find me under the handle Hey Amy Greensmith. And let me know what your biggest takeaway was from today. As I mentioned last week, we did the completion, the wrap up of the boundary series. If you have tough time speaking up, be sure to check out that series. And then next week and the week after, we're going to have an extra special guest back on the show. And you will not want to miss it. So please be sure to stay tuned. Rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. Please tell somebody out there uh, about the show. It really does help us considerably. And I'll see you around these parts next week. So please remember you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and tell the bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you, bye.